0: I'm not afraid to Hi everyone! Welcome back to For the Girls. We are so excited to talk about an absolutely wild Monaco race. Whoever was saying this race was going to be boring turned out to be wrong. It was absolutely wild. Tag us in your race day post if you're ever at the track. Chessa had a friend at the race this weekend tagging us, which was super fun. And we are looking forward to hearing from a lot of you this week on Instagram. So follow us at F One R The Girls. I'm Sarah.
1: I'm Chessa. And I'm Tiggy. So I think to start, let's go with our main takeaways of the weekend. Mine was that the rain and the pit strategy, as we know, will definitely make or break a race. We saw that here and I'm definitely here for it.
2: Yeah, that is such a good one. I think for me, pretty similar, but it was just the biggest emotional roller coaster ever. I'm honestly still processing everything from the rain to the complete Ferrari pit wall team fumble. I'm super happy for Checo though, especially after what happened with team orders in Spain last race. Really hurting for Charles and Carlos as well. I think he deserved his first ever win, but we have tons to dive into.
0: So much to talk about. I'm also so happy for Checo just Who would have thought that he would come away with a victory here, but so well-deserved, and it clearly meant so much to him. My main thing is I absolutely love Quali. It's so amazing here. The hairpin at the Grand Hotel with an elevation change, then Portier going into the tunnel, and then full throttle up to 175 miles per hour in the tunnel. Just absolute chef's kiss. So I think Quali alone can justify keeping this race on the calendar. It's so technical and so demanding on the drivers. The tiniest little error will put you in the wall and then who knew all we needed was rain to make this race absolutely incredible
2: yeah for sure and as you were saying sarah we'll get in more to what the future is for monaco or what it could potentially be but just a quick little aside here um i watched this 1960s formula one movie just called grand prix and it starts in monaco with the race and it was just so cool to see what the race was like in monaco in the 1960s obviously the cars were a lot smaller so there were was more exciting overtaking but it's just such a, a historic track and it was really cool to see that history in that movie and just to see how the sport has changed over time so i don't know we'll get into what the future holds for monaco but i i hope we keep that we i hope we keep the race
0: that sounds so fun we need to do a little f1 themed movie night soon
2: Totally. So into how our hot takes held up, I will go first as both of mine crashed and burned very hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really wanted this to be redemption for Charles in Monaco. Unfortunately, no podium. He at least finished. So that breaks the curse in some way, I guess. A little um, bit. Yeah. And my Botas Hail Mary uh, on podium did not hold up, unfortunately. But he did finish in the points uh, after not making it past Q2.
0: <laughs> so good for him. Mine was Carlos, Charles, and Max on podium. So two out of three. But I feel like Charles was obviously the big hitter there. So I've, I'm going to put mine in also crash and burn category. But I was really happy to see to see Carlos up there. Good to see him really back up at the top, challenging Charles on pace in practice and quality. So happy for him, despite the rest of the team just going down in flames.
1: Yeah, mine's along the same vein. I'm sad Leclerc was not on podium. Obviously, I had him winning, but I did have Carlos on podium somewhere. So we did get that. Again, maybe it would have been nicer for him if he was P1, but the Mexican enemy is glad that Checo was ahead of him, so... Not too bad, I'd say, for my for my hot takes. Sarah, who was your MVP? I think my MVP was first the weather. <laughs> because The weather gods, thank you.
0: Mis- <laughs> yeah, that made it so spicy. The driving was so difficult. Lando made a comment after the race about how it was just so hard to drive and how every single time he was braking, he thought it was going to go into the wall. So that just – added this whole other layer of difficulty and strategy when, as we've talked about so much, this race can sometimes be a bit of a processional. I think I also have to add as an MVP, Carlos talking back to Ferrari and saying he was going to stay out because that was the only reason he was on podium. So good for him for standing up for himself when he knew what the right call was.
1: My MVP was the Red Bull strategy team. They really pulled one out of a the hat there. <laughs> and then also Checo's medium tires. They really... <laughs> They took the show on this one. They put
2: the team on their back. Mine is pretty similar. I would just say Checo, not just his tires, but also the man, the tire whisperer who managed them. Uh, He was just cutting those corners so perfectly. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that video of him just not like, just barely not grazing that that corner. Incredible tire management towards the end there, and I would also say Lando. I think he was all, he was still battling tonsillitis. Yeah, he got fastest lap. He drove a really good race in a car that I don't think is good enough for him. Um, so I would I would throw him in there. I know I've been hard on Lando in the past, but you you've been doing well.
0: <laughs> okay. How about least valuable players LVPS?
2: For me, Latifi, I think crashing on the formation lap, come on. I, I know the radio was funny, like, oh, the car just wouldn't turn. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Our friend sent a funny text when that happened. He was like, the three certainties in life are death, taxes, and Latifi crashing. <laughs> 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 um, and that cost – he also cost Carlos the win by holding him up, coming out of the pit lane. There were a million blue flags and engineers having to tell him repeatedly to get out of the way. I think just a disgraceful performance from him, so – not a fan well put
0: disgraceful
2: yes
1: yeah yeah I had I had Latifi as mine um as one of mine so just what Tiggy said and then for me my LVP was Danny I mean I'm yeah. sorry we literally heard nothing from him crickets on his <laughs> side so crickets,
0: except for Gasly just cruising past him on a track that's impossible
1: to over- <laughs> yeah right at the beginning so poor guy I don't know if we're going to be seeing much from him for the rest of the season obviously we'll hold out hope but Danny was my LVP
0: Our friend who we were watching with had a mega hot take of Danny getting replaced mid-season, which we don't (laughs) think is gonna happen, but mine was the entire Ferrari pit wall and the strategy team. Just, it threw it away for Charles after he was driving so incredibly. And it's hard to even emphasize how frustrating that must be when it's your own team making a strategy call that costs you what was a really certain victory.
2: I 100% agree. So let's get into some news ahead of diving in, things that happened this week. So first of all, it was just a huge weekend for Monaco, sold out at 68,000 people, which is almost double Monaco's actual population. So that's pretty crazy.
1: <laughs> that's like the population of my one block in New York City. <laughs>
2: exactly. Um And then maybe just a couple quick things about practice before we dive into some other news, Um, just to hit it quickly, because I think we'll dive a lot deeper in quali and in the race. But Checo is doing much better than Max in practice, which was fun to see. Hamilton, we were seeing super upset on the radio about porpoising. They were kind of bouncing all over the place, which must be frustrating after they sort of had figured it out last week. Uh, Yuki got a reprimand for impeding and if he gets one more he gets a 10 place grid penalty so Yuki's got to watch out <laughs> and then he's the resident grid badass
1: <laughs> I did not expect that from him yeah
2: totally and then of course Daniel Ricardo. we hate to say it but he had a huge mistake at the swimming pool chicane which is a tough part of the track. But it was, there was a bit of drama there because people thought his engineer had asked about the car being okay before asking about him. But it was just, I think that the engineer hadn't seen the crash yet, but kind of an interesting thing to see there.
1: So in other news, Christian Horner on Quali morning was making fun of Brundle and a lot of the other commentators for hitting the bar very hard at the Friday night Red Bull party, (laughs) and that they were literally mixing anything and everything with Red Bull and that if they were hurting in the morning, which they seemed like they were... He would send them up a case of Red Bull to get them restarted ahead of Kelly. So that was fun to see them kind of joking around. The Cannes Film Festival and the AmfAR Gala was also this week. So there was a lot of South of France action going. Pierre and Max's girlfriend, Kelly Piquet, made some red carpet appearances. Kelly Piquet, she befriended Elon Musk's mother, May, and brought her along. Yeah, this is my favorite side
0: plot of this of this weekend. So random, but Elon Musk's mom was in the Red Bull garage. <laughs> Botas gave Lewis his final Colorado river pick after selling thousands of copies for charity, and Botas also had the tweet of I don't know the Century putting his Colorado River pick on a picture of the wet track, which he tweeted during the web flag. <laughs> For
2: anyone who doesn't know what this Colorado River pick is, hopefully you have seen it because you follow some F1 content, but is it's just Botas, his naked but like popping out of a Colorado River. So it's pretty funny that he gifted that to, to Lewis.
0: Just incredible. Um, And Charles wore the strangest jeans I have potentially ever seen to the track. I don't know who made this decision. I agree. Um, What? Just what was going on. Again, just Google the photo. I can't even explain. Stripes on the side, really baggy, not in the 90s, trendy baggy way, just baggy baggy. I
1: don't know. Meanwhile, Joe is just in head to toe Prada. (laughs) Yes. As he always is, looking spiffy. In other news, 187 yachts
2: did not make it into the harbor after asking for a berth, which is pretty crazy. I mean, I feel like Formula One's attendance just keeps getting higher and higher, which is crazy. Like literal yachts are not getting to watch the Grand Prix. Um, (laughs) In other news, as we mentioned earlier, there's still no word on whether the Monaco Grand Prix contract will be renewed for 2023. The leadership at Monaco think that because they're the crown jewel, they have some bargaining power with Domenicali, but others are saying that because Monaco pays a cut price rate to host the Grand Prix and that the track is no longer that compatible with the modern F1 cars, they shouldn't be so confident. But maybe because this race was so entertaining, Formula One will be more amenable to extending the contract. We'll have to wait and see. I personally hope that it sticks around, and I'm sure a lot of drivers do too, but it would also be fun to see some other cities
1: into the mix here. Well, thank God for the Monaco Entertainment this weekend. I think that will really keep them in the running. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Takova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tecova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break-in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal and with regular live music and events, there's really no in store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tacovas.com, T E C O V A S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout that's happy and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today So let's talk a little bit about quality in one word I think we can all sum it up as chaotic There was two red flags a lot of traffic issues and really since the track is so short and narrow There's usually always going to be a lot of traffic issues It really ruins people's flying laps and their qualifying times. There's also like basically blind corners and parts where there's really bad rear visibility, so they can't see the cars behind them, and that just makes it that much harder as well.
0: And so as I was saying earlier, quali is just incredible to watch here. Pull is so important because, as we talked about a lot, it's very hard to overtake here, but in particular, the pole sitter is almost always ahead through San Devote, the, the first turn. The track was also hot for quali, which makes it hard on the brakes when this race is already super demanding on the brakes without much chance to cool them on longer straights. And they have to run so close to the wall in all these really tight turns. Pierre said you have to kiss the wall, but you don't want to French kiss it,
1: so. <laughs> Classic. I don't think that's the best metaphor for that.
0: Yeah, they have to walk in extremely fine line and they come within inches of the wall on some of these turns. So it's just, takes so much talent. And it's one of those races where I think the drivers can really outshine the car since it's so much about technique.
2: Totally agree. So a quick summary of Q1. All 20 cars out on this very short track and narrow track is really hectic. I think we saw a lot of traffic. Yuki very minorly hit the barriers and got a puncture. There was a red flag there, which seems strange because it wasn't really a big incident. There was almost three minutes left, so there should have been enough time for people to get in and out lap and one flying lap, but there was... a literally a line of cars for almost a minute waiting to get out of the pits while the clock was ticking. And so a bunch of drivers like Gasly and others got stuck in traffic, trying to start a flying lap and couldn't. So in the end, Albon, Gasly, Stroll, Latifi, and Joe were knocked out. I think all of them were pretty annoyed and cursing on the radio, just given the way that went down. It was the first time this season that Gasly was knocked out in Q1, which is unfortunate. But we'll talk about how he sort of redeemed himself in the race. And he had been looking really good this weekend as well. So that was a bummer. And then Yuki ended up still making it despite causing the problem in the first place. Uh, And then Albon had also been doing great. So tough to see him go in that.
1: So Q2, I think one of the biggest highlights there was Charles literally almost missed the bridge, which you need to do (laughs) when you're pulling into the pits before you go into your garage. Otherwise, you're going to be disqualified. You also can't reverse in the pit lane. So literally, his team had to push him backwards. He managed to get weighed. He could have been penalized, but he's fine. We saw Hamilton also really struggling in Q2. And then in the end, we had Yuki, Botas, K-Mac, Danny, and Mick all out. Commentators saying that Danny was having a quote-unquote miserable time, oh. which I think we're going to have to agree on. And then to the chagrin of Tiggy and her boat does Mary. He was out. <laughs> so <laughs> sad. Um, but also, in good news, we 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 saw both Alpines make Q3, which I think is really exciting. Totally. So then, in Q3,
0: Charles just looked amazing. He was absolutely on fire. Checo continued his trend of being faster than Max. Interestingly, Hamilton has often gotten outqualified by his teammate here, and that stayed true. It's not his best track, even with a good car, and he was just pretty frustrated all weekend. Towards the end, when the real drama occurred, Checo was pushing hard, maybe trying to make a run at the front row of the grid, and he lost the rear at Portier right before the tunnel, causing a red flag. Since the track is so narrow, Carlos was right behind him and wasn't able to avoid and also crashed into him, which blocked the entire track and caused a traffic jam pileup. So Max was just parked right behind them because he couldn't get through. Separately, Alonso also hit the wall right behind them. So really just chaotic. And this is a theme that went on all weekend, but the TV production has been horrible at actually showing what's going on. And so it's super delayed. At you could tell that someone had crashed, you couldn't tell who, you couldn't tell where. So finally it all came together that this was just a huge pile up. There was only 30 seconds left, so this ended the session. And it's the second year in a row that Max wasn't able to do his last flying lap because of a red flag. So that just ended with Charles on pole and a Ferrari front row lockout. So
2: someone want to walk us through the, the grid? Totally. So, like Sarah said, Ferrari front row lockout with Charles two tenths ahead of Carlos, and then Checo and Max following suit. Then Lando, which was awesome. Great to see him in P5 there. Then we had Russell, Alonso, Hamilton, Vettel, and Ocon as the top ten, which is honestly I think a great grid. I was really happy to see this starting order. I was super happy to to see the results of Quali and watch that happen. Three world champions in a row behind Russell, which is a lot of pressure for him. But he he did a great job this race, which we'll get into. Um, so, Chessa, you want to start walking us through the race here? So much to dive into. Yes.
1: Yeah, so before we even started, it's important to note that Checo and Signs both had to get new gearboxes from their crash in Quali. So very late nights for those teams, uh, but. I mean, today the car seemed very much in top condition. So great for them. Good job, engineers. So the race started in a way, it didn't really start. The rain started coming (laughs) down before the formation lap even happened. So the teams were really scrambling to bring the extreme wet tires out. It was chaos on the grid. People were running all over the place, like carting around like piles and stacks of tires. So just for everyone who is not that familiar with the tire strategy, slicks are the regular soft, medium, and hard tires. Wets are the intermediate tires, which kind of can go back and forth. And then you also have the extreme wets. But it was basically just pouring down there. One of our friends was there and said it was kind of miserable. But it was funny just to see these people like decked out in their high fashion Balenciaga, etc., running for cover. But basically, because of the rain, they delayed the start of the formation lap. And then once the drivers were out, it started to pour. So they red flagged it. They brought the cars back into the pits. Drivers got out of their cars. I think, Sarah, you had a funny comment about the weather and the teams kind of like dealing usually with this back and forth on the weather.
0: Oh, it was so funny. We were just because the camera angles are showing all the drivers out of the cars now because it's red flagged and pouring sitting in there in the garages. And we we're joking. It's just because of the cost cap. But the only chairs they have are these flimsy little folding <laughs> plastic chairs. So all the drivers are in their soaked race suits sitting these little plastic chairs just kind of staring into space
2: so (laughs) funny and also just seeing the drivers with umbrellas sitting in their car was just the funniest sight i was like what is yeah what is going on so the start ended up being delayed for over an hour both max and lewis classic were like why aren't we racing but (laughs) in response to being told that the delay was partially because there was no practice on wet tires lewis was like we're Formula One drivers, so that is definitely not a good reason. But I have to say, there was standing water at parts of the track, and on such a narrow track where you can't avoid collisions that happen in front of you, it's really just not safe. I actually think the race directors did a, a really good job of handling a lot of this. Um And Gasly even said that it was the right call because visibility for cars in the back was horrible from all the spray. There's also a power outage at the control station at one point. So... Lots going on. I think they handled it in an appropriate manner.
0: Yeah, really chaos was the right word. But after an hour, we finally got to a formation lab. And of course, Latifi crashes. <laughs> and so Latifi, it was the hotel hairpin before the tunnel. And he just slowly drove straight into the wall. It wasn't even that dramatic, just slowly went straight just didn't turn he goes my goodness the car just didn't turn (laughs) my goodness and then (laughs) gets back to the pits and Latifi and Stroll come about two feet from colliding in the pit lane so amazing start (laughs) and then once on the formation lap even the top cars the cars were sliding around so much including the Ferraris and the Red Bulls and this was on the extreme wet tires so it was that rainy and wet out there so I think Tiggy's right that the race directors made the right call just would have been Totally unsafe to try to fully start at the actual start time.
1: Yeah. So when they actually did start, they did a rolling start instead of a standing start, obviously, because it's so wet, they wouldn't have the grip to get going and it wouldn't be safe. So they did their rolling start, like we said, on extreme wets that was fully required for them to do just for safety. But once the race started, there was immediately some movement in the pit stops at the beginning of the race. A lot of the cars at the back of the grids went into the pits immediately to switch onto the inters since it looked like the rain was clearing and the race was going to be clear for like the first 30 minutes. So that was a really hard call. And this is, we're going to talk a lot about strategy today because switching to inters in such wet conditions can be really hard. So the run of the grid didn't really risk it at first, but that's kind of where we started to see the trends happening in this extreme tire strategy race today.
2: Totally. So I think before we dive in team by team, we want to do a quick recap chronologically of what happened since the it was kind of hard to follow. There was a ton going on. So we're just going to walk through some of it. The first 15 or so laps, we had the same starting order. Leclerc was doing a great job in these conditions. He was chilling almost five seconds ahead of science at one point, which was cool to see. He just drove really well. Then we had Checo, Max, Norris, Russell, Alonso, and Hamilton, as usual. Gasly was looking speedy, and he was already working his way through the field and got a nice overtake of Joe and then Danny, sad. Um, And all of the top 10 are still on extreme wet tires at this point, so it turns into a question of who's going to pit first for the inners, as Chessa said, or if they stay out until it dries enough to get slicks. Carlos, as Sarah was mentioning, as one of her MVPs, he was pushing back against the Ferrari pit wall and saying, I want to stay out until I can just get on slicks and skip the intermediate tires. And they say, okay. And then- she- That was some deep foreshadowing. Yes,
0: really. I know. And he was he was very determined about it. He was like, no, I'm staying out until we can go to slicks, yeah. which just go, Carlos. Beautiful strategy And then call. the- Chain reaction kind of started happening because Cheka was the first to go in and pit for inners. So he came out in P5. And then right after that, Charles and Max both pitted onto inters on lap 19. So when they came out of the pits, Charles was in P3, Max was in P4. And then Sainz was in the lead, since again, he had told them he was going to stay out. So he's leading the Grand Prix at this point. Max started catching up a lot to Charles. Then at around lap 21, it was dry enough that Sainz pit, just skipped the inners, go straight to hard tires. In a horrible error that cost them this race, Ferrari told Charles to come in for a double stack right behind Carlos, but then changed their mind at the last minute and told him to stay out. But Charles had already pulled into the pit lane, so it was too late at this point. And then the pit stop took even longer because Carlos was kind of still pulling out of the pits as Charles was pulling in. And Charles was just... Absolutely losing it on the radio, as you'd expect, swearing, realizing who's going to be behind. Science just so upset, and then things got even worse.
1: Yeah, things definitely went downhill from there for Ferrari. So Charles comes out in P4, stuck behind Albon, who held him up for a full lap. Eventually gets out of the way. It's just so annoying because the cars get these blue flags to tell them to get out of the way, let the cars you know pass that that are coming in. And when they don't get out of the way, it's dangerous. It holds people up, kills the momentum, all sorts of things. So. Right after Charles comes out, he's in P4. Then the Red Bulls double-stacked the next lap. Both went on hard tires. And then when the Red Bulls come out of the pits, it's Checo, Carlos, Max, and Charles. So a very successful overcut. Insane call by Red Bull. Highly strategic and successful. Probably partly luck as well, but everything's always a little bit of luck. So overall, this strategy worked because Red Bull was flying on the inners, and they had a great pace while Ferrari had that double-stack fiasco
2: yeah just really tough traffic for the ferraris there and unfortunate calls from the pit wall and then we saw lap 27 mick had a huge crash and this was really crazy his car broke completely in half in the swimming pool chicane it seems like something may have broken on the car that caused the crash but literally his rear suspension was detached his gearbox was just detached it was crazy looking at that car um It's just a testament to the modern car technology that he's okay. He's had a couple scary crashes this season. So after that, there was originally a safety car, but then a red flag to repair the barriers. You can change tires during a red flag. So both Red Bulls changed to mediums, which was risky because it's only lap 27. So they would have had theoretically to go, you know, 50 more laps on medium tires. Ferrari stayed on the hard tires And at this point, though, it was kind of clear that we wouldn't make the full race length because a race isn't allowed to exceed two hours from the start, which is kind of crazy. So it ended up only being 64 laps and Red Bull's mediums barely hung on, which we'll get into a little bit more as well. But just another amazing and risky call from them. It was great, great strategy.
0: So then there was another rolling start after the red flag. So this race had no standing starts, which is kind of wild. So after the restart and pretty much for the rest of the race, the top four, Checo, Carlos, Max, and Charles, were all incredibly close. And it stayed like that for about a half hour until the end of the race. Checo did such a good job under a ton of pressure. At one point, the little battle for first graphic that they do had all four cars on it.
1: That was so stressful. My heart was like, ugh.
0: It, It was crazy. Carlos got within a half second of Checo at one point. It it really was looking like Carlos was going to get past him. Checo's tires were trashed with, with 10 minutes left because it turned into a countdown because they were going to start hitting the two hours. Then with about five minutes left at the hotel hairpin before the tunnel, all four cars were about a foot behind each other. It was They were just so close. It almost looked like Carlos was in a rear end, Checo at some points. Checo was just so calm and cool and beat signs by under a second with absolutely destroyed tires in really tough
1: conditions. So. The classic Checo way, always so calm. (laughs) Um, Before we jump in and talk a little bit team by team, one thing that we noticed that was really cool was so many different fastest laps were being set throughout this race, and it really just reflects the chaos. Lando ended up getting the fastest lap, but at different points we had Max, Checo, Carlos, Charles, Hamilton, Alonso, Gasly, and even Albon getting the fastest laps.
2: So diving in by team. We'll start with Ferrari. Just absolute heartbreak. I feel like this is becoming a bit of a trend, unfortunately, but just after such domination and practice and quali, Charles was navigating the tricky wet conditions beautifully from P1. Like we said, had over a five second gap to signs. But going to Sainz's race, we haven't talked as much about him. He had an amazing race. I think we talked about that beautiful strategy call from him, which eventually, you know, coming in right to Slick's. Carlos said in his after interview that a lapped car cost him the race win today, which I think is probably (laughs) (laughs) right. Yeah. (laughs) Cough, cough, Latifi. (laughs) The only silver lining I guess for Charles is this really is the first time he's ever finished at Monaco. So (laughs) I guess that's something to hang your hat on, but really sad, really sad. And then one quick thing before we get into Red Bull, Ferrari, after the race, filed a complaint with the stewards about Red Bull cars crossing the pit lane line on the exits, which is against the rules. They lost both of those cases. Max had like one wheel over and the whole car has to be over for that to be against the rules. And Checo wasn't over at all. So the complaints got dismissed as being unfounded, which I think Ferrari was sort of grasping at straws and trying to just get something there, but didn't pan out,
0: unfortunately, for them. So... Vamos, Checo. Just absolutely insane. Despite our sadness for Ferrari, we were so thrilled for him. As you all know, we're big Checo fans over here. It was his third career victory and his first ever at Monaco. He really drove the perfect race, continues to re-earn his tire whisperer title, and it was so close at the end. So really proud of him. With DRS, he probably would have been toast, but DRS wasn't <laughs> enabled. So also a little bit of luck there. Max just didn't really seem happy in the car this weekend, so he seemed pretty happy with the P3 and, of course, finishing ahead of Charles, and this was huge vindication for Checo after Barcelona and the team orders drama. He had a huge victory a couple years ago with Racing Point, but his only other Red Bull victory was last year in Baku, but that was just because Verstappen had a tire blowout and lost the lead in the last few laps. So this was his first victory over Max on merit and pure pace, which I think is huge and just is a really big moment for him. So now Checo's P3 in the championship. He's only 15 points behind Max and six points behind Charles. So for the first time in his career, Checo was in the driver's championship mix. So massive weekend. He cried on the podium during the Mexican national anthem, did an epic pullback flip with the Mexican flag. Just incredible. And his helmet this weekend was a tribute to the best Mexican driver ever besides him, of course. So it was very heartwarming. Just great content all around.
1: Yes, I was obviously grinning ear to ear as our fellow resident Mexican. It was pretty epic. Alpine actually had a really great race. Hamilton was stuck between the two Alpines for most of the race. Don't think we ever would have thought we could say that last season, but here we are. Alcon collided with Hamilton pretty early in the race, which resulted in a five-second time penalty for him. He basically just been keeping Hamilton behind him for several laps as well. Ocon's P9 became P12, so he was out of the points this time. But overall, I think the Alpine car is looking pretty good, and the drivers really stretched it and worked it.
2: So McLaren, like we said, awesome race from Lando. A lot of people have been saying he's on par with the best drivers up there, just in a worse car. So it'll be interesting to see what his future looks like. He finished P6, as we said, still battling tonsillitis. So just impressive from him and also got to claim fastest lap just had enough buffer to make a late pit stop and go on fresh tires. Unfortunately, the opposite story for Danny. Finishing P13, got pretty easily passed by Gasly. Will Buxton, after the race, was like, where has the Daniel Ricardo who we knew, gone? <laughs> but as we were saying about his future, wondering if he's done, when he's done, Zach said that Lando definitely has an edge and that Danny has not met his or our expectations, which is a pretty
0: blunt thing to say, you know, only part... It's a wild statement to make in public about your current driver. Totally.
1: I mean, they're probably talking about it behind closed doors nonstop. It just slipped out.
0: <laughs> but I also think it might be kind of intentional that they want to start saying things publicly to push him maybe because I think... Zach wouldn't say anything not intentionally.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably true. Danny had a funny response, though. He was like, my skin is tan, beautiful, and also thick. (laughs) Okay, Danny. In some extra drama, Zach also referenced the escape clause in Danny's contract that would give them a way to maybe end it this year instead of next year, which is crazy. Also, Zach went to the Indy 500 instead of Monaco, so maybe he was scouting Who knows?
0: Mercedes. This was the first time since 2011 that Mercedes didn't finish in the top three. Oof. Two collisions for Lewis, one with and one with Alonso. Finished race started in eighth. As we said, he was sandwiched between the Alpines the entire race, was just incredibly displeased. George, I think, was the bigger story. He continued his streak as the only driver finishing in the top five in every race so far. And he's now finished ahead of Lewis in six out of the seven races this season. And so we'll get more into this in 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 the coming weeks but at what point do we say that maybe george is just stronger in this car than lewis is it's it's getting i think six out of seven races you can definitely say is
1: a trend at this point
2: yeah i agree
1: so alfa romeo pretty sad that them having a car that's theoretically faster in the slow and medium speed corners didn't really convert into a higher result for them but we had botas in p9 for haas we had a dnf from kmag Not much coverage there. Um, I think he just had some car problems. Mick lost the rear at lap 27 by the swimming pool. turn. as we said, he spun and his car was literally split in half with the gearbox and the rear suspension detached. It was really, really scary. Thank God for modern car technology. He just jumped right out of the car and seemed to walk away without any bruises or anything. But we've seen some pretty scary crashes from him this season. So God bless. Lastly, quick note on Haas. There is an Italian media rumor that Mick could replace Seb if Seb decides to retire, so...
2: Interesting. I feel like Mick has to be performing a little better before we start talking about replacing world champions.
1: True. Like, why are they even comparing them?
2: Mick's got to step it up a little bit. So Aston Martin, Stroll, as we mentioned, uh, had a little bit of a brush with the barriers on the formation lap, almost crashed in the pit lane, caused a right rear puncture and a pit stop early on, and then Vettel snuck into the points in P10 with Ocon's penalty. He was originally out of the points, but because of that penalty, he was able to sneak one point in. Williams, really just tough, tough race. And I'm unhappy with both of these drivers this weekend. Both cars went off and hit the barriers at different points. Albon and Latifi holding up people, which cost people, you know,
0: wins, points, all of that. So Alpha Tauri, as we were saying, Diaz had a disappointing quality, but then had a great race. He switched early to Inners, which helped him pick off multiple cars in the midfield. He was the star of the early racing with some really great passes. So it was nice to see him get some great speed, a couple of fastest laps at, at some points when he had gotten unlucky in quality and looked fast all weekend. And so our final results, P1, Checo, and then rounding out the podium, Carlos and Max, and then P4, Charles, Sad then George, Lando, Alonso, Hamilton, Botas, and Vettel.
1: So let's do a quick shout out here before we wrap up to American Racing. The Indy 500 was also today. Marcus Erickson won, okay? So he lost his silver seat in 2018 or after the 2018 season after Charles crushed him in his rookie season. So we love this redemption story arc pulling through. For the Indy 500, it really went down to the last lap with a battle with Pedro Award, who finished in P2. Um, Pedro is a McLaren F1 test driver. Uh, someone else who we're really, really looking at from this weekend at Indy was Colton Herda. He is testing for McLaren F1 this season and could maybe even replace Danny Ricardo. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. Maybe Zach was there scouting him. But he did have the craziest practice crash we've ever seen Fully medically cleared to race. Modern cars, as we've said, are amazing. But he literally crashed and the car flipped upside down. It like flew down. The wind caught it and it landed right on top of his head. Like he had the halo there to protect him. So like we've been saying, we think McLaren is fully bought into IndyCar. Zach was there in Indiana because McLaren is building this new $25 million IndyCar headquarters. So a lot of ties there, obviously, to American racing. And Kimmy will also be making a NASCAR Cup appearance this summer. He changes Instagram bio from retired to racing again just for this one. <laughs> <laughs> what a legend?: That was
2: pretty funny. So a couple of things to wrap up. Our radio of the week, as we posted on Instagram, was the very sad Charles just saying, "I have no words, We cannot do that." talking about oh. the strategy around the pit stops and everything I fully feel for him and think, yeah, not his fault there." So where does this leave us in the standings driver's championship? So Max still has the lead at 125 points. He stretched that a bit over Charles, who is at 116. Then Checo, as we mentioned, number three, 110, only six points behind Leclerc. Then Russell at 84 signs at 83 and Hamilton at 50. And then the constructors Red Bull has stretched its lead again, Uh, at 235 points, then Ferrari at 199, Mercedes 134, then drops off pretty heavily to McLaren at 59, and Alfa Romeo at 41. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. There was so much to talk about. Message us if you have questions, thoughts, comments. We love to hear from you, and we will see you for the next episode.